But before we do that, I want to invite you to pray with me. Today is Mission Sunday. Traditionally, when we're gathered together, uh, the first of the month, we pray for our missionaries, and we pray with power and expectation, and we also receive an offering. We're going to do that this morning, but I want to, to do something specific. I believe that while we are worshiping, the Lord gave me a word that there's somebody who's watching this video, either live or later, who has been asking the Lord, what is, you, you've been blessed recently monetarily, and you're asking God, what's a good investment for that money? And I believe the Lord just wants to remind you that, that the missionaries and the partners that we have at New Covenant are a great investment. If you've been looking for a place, you've literally asked the Lord, where should you invest this money? I believe that the word of the Lord for you today is invest here. We're going to receive a missions offering. We're going to do it digitally. If you want to give to New Covenant, uh, there'll be some slides at the end, but I want to encourage you to do it right now. Maybe even go to the New Covenant uh, website, newcovenantbuffalo.org, and you'll see ways to give there. Let's give to our missionaries so we can continue to extend uh, funds to our partners to keep them on the field, locally and all around the world, working for the gospel. We have had the privilege, we took an offering a few weeks ago, to be able to send money to places around the world so that they can feed their neighbors in this time. And we want you to be able to partner with us in doing that. So I want you to do that and give, but I also want you to pray with me. Because when we pray, it is powerful. In fact, I want to take this time right before we pray for our partners to invite you to join us for the National Day of Prayer event in Buffalo and Western New York that's going to be happening this Thursday. Usually we gather downtown uh, in the center of our city and we pray together on the noon hour, but this year we're going to do things a little bit differently. We're going to be gathering digitally and we're going to be gathering over the airwaves at two o'clock on this Thursday uh, on live on Facebook and also on WDCX. You can join in. You can pray. And let me say this, just because you're not in a place, just because your voice is not on a microphone, just because your face is not in front of the camera, does not mean that God does not hear your prayers. In fact, God hears the prayers of those who humble themselves and place themselves at his feet. And as we pray together, I believe that this is going to be a year that more people pray together than ever before. And scripture is very clear, when God's people gather together, when we humble ourselves, when we pray, he heals our land. And so I want to invite you this Thursday, 2 p.m., to pray together with the people of Western New York as we see God's kingdom come in power. Let's see a powerful prayer movement launched as we celebrate the National Day of Prayer and pray for our city and our region. Would you join me now in praying for our missionaries and our partners all around the world? God, we thank you that we get to be a part of your kingdom, that we get to minister in your kingdom. Lord, that we get to pray, we get to give, and we get to go. Father, I pray this morning as we gather around, Lord, as we uh, lift up our voices to you, that you would hear from heaven and pour out a blessing on our partners like they've never seen before. God, I pray that this would be a time that your kingdom advances more powerfully than it has ever in the past. God, that by your spirit, uh, the partners that we have and all those around the world who are working for the gospel in churches and in mission stations and in parachurch ministries, those who are working uh, in this region as well, God, that we would see your provision, first of all, of your spirit. God, that there would be an outbreak of your work among us, of your power among us, that our voices would be empowered by your Spirit to declare the good news that there is salvation and reconciliation with the Father through Jesus Christ. Father, I also pray that there be a provision monetarily. God, that resources would become available to these missions partners, to these people who are taking the gospel, that they would be well taken care of personally, but God, there'd be so much generosity of your people, so much available, so much uh, use of that resource to specific areas that there would be tons to share. God, that we would at this time be the people of God who have the resources of heaven at our disposal, that we would see it and that we would use it to see your kingdom come. Father, would you bless our partners 
over and above everything they've seen before. God, we pray for testimony after testimony after testimony of your faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us this morning. We're so honored that you choose to do this. And we want to say that we, we are glad that you're with us because God is honored when his people gather in worship. God is honored when we lift our voices in private, in our homes, and when we're gathered together. God is honored when we declare his praises. And God's honored as we go to his word. And that's what we're going to do this morning. Uh, I have a question for you. Uh, how many times have your attitude affected the atmosphere around you? I, I noticed that all the time. In fact, I noticed it this morning. Some of my older children were up earlier than everybody else, and I asked uh, one of my children to go and wake up our three-year-old. And uh, this child came back down and said, three-year-old doesn't want to get up, only wants mom. And now, I don't know if you've been around a child that only wants mom or only wants dad. Usually their minds are absolutely focused on it. But here's what I did. I went up to that three-year-old's bedroom and I walked in and I do what I do every morning. I sing the good morning song and I do a silly dance and I try to vary the, the dance because the song is always the same. And I notice that when I come into that room with joy and with silliness and with laughter that it sets the tone for that day. My three-year-old who only wanted mom didn't say anything about only wanting mom, took this frown off her face and was ready to jump into my arms and start her day because our attitudes are infectious. When I'm up with Jesus, it changed up early with Jesus and my day has changed because my attitude has changed from having been with him. When I'm calm, my world around me is calm. The people around me is calm. When I'm agitated, I can see it in my family and in the staff of the church and in my children, even people in, in the stores. When I'm joyful, joy breaks out. When I'm depressed, People tend to be depressed around me. It's not just me, but others in my family. There, there are children in my family who can set the tone for the entire day. If my daughter didn't come down excited to be with me, she would come down and she could set the nastiness for the rest of the day. One kind word matters, and also so does one word of negativity. It's almost like a disease or a contagion, the attitudes that we carry with us. And I'm not looking to make light of the seriousness of the global pandemic that we're going through, but we're going to look at the outbreak of attitude today and what it looks like to see the outbreak of the Lord in the midst of this. Because outbreaks have serious consequences in the natural, in the physical, in, in terms of disease, but they also have consequences in terms of the spiritual things that we're going through. I want to look at an outbreak in Scripture with me. Let's look at Numbers chapter 21, and we're going to read specifically verses 4 through 9 this morning here's the setup Israel has been in the desert for 39 years they were delivered from Egypt they had been they had been brought out into the desert they met the Lord their God at Mount Sinai and then they went to explore the land and as they did that they didn't believe the word of the Lord and the the we saw an outbreak of the word of the Lord Lord uh, in contrast to the word of the spies and the word of the spies broke through the camp and so the people weren't able to enter into the land they've been in the desert God has been refining them for 39 years the generation previously had passed away and a new generation was ready to go into the land and as we come to chapter 21 the people are about to move into the promised land and just before this they're grumbling and they're complaining uh, about not having enough water in the desert and God in his sovereignty God in his goodness provides water for the people through Moses and through Aaron and he calls Moses to go to a rock and to speak to it and now what we understand is before in scripture before in the same wandering with these people God had provided water for them before by Moses striking the rock and so when Moses stands up to deliver 
the people into God's goodness to see the waters flow from the rock. He doesn't do what God asks him to do. He doesn't speak to the rock, but he strikes it instead. Now, God in his goodness still provides water, but for Moses and for Aaron, it becomes a stumbling block, and they are not released to lead the people into the promised land. In fact, God says, because you did this, you won't lead the people in. And so in chapter 20, uh, that happens. In chapter 20, we also see that Aaron dies. Aaron, who's been leading the people spiritually, uh, uh, dies on a mountain. And the people are about to move in, but this nation called Edom blocks them. In other words, they're stationed just south of the promised land. They have to go through Edom to get into the promised land. And Edom and the king of Edom says, no, you cannot come. Now here's the thing. Edom are descendants of Esau. They're related to the people of Israel. And yet they deny passage into the promised land for the people of God. And so Moses, in response to that refusal to go through Edom or not being allowed, has to go lead the people around Edom. And the Bible says that they take the road south towards the Red Sea. In other words, they're going in the opposite direction. Now, understand this. As they're going in the opposite direction, they're going having experienced the victory of the Lord. There were other tribes around them, other uh, people in the desert who had attacked them right as before they started traveling south. And God gave them incredible victory over the land of Arad. In fact, the people of Israel said to, to God together, as a people, they said, God, if you will give us these people, we will give the people to you. The Hebrew word there is we will destroy them completely. It's a word that means we will totally hand them over to you. They will irrevocably belong to you. And God gives the people of Israel this victory. And so we see this constant refining as the people of God are moving into the land. We see this constant provision of, of the people of God as they're moving into land. We see this constant speaking of the word of the Lord to the people of God and to the leaders of God so that they understand after all these years, after 39 years, after the generation that rejected God has died in the desert and the new generation is ready to move into land, God is still refining his people. He's moving them in to his power and into his purposes. And so let's pick up the account in chapter 21, verse 4. Here's what it says. Then the people of Israel set out from Mount Hor, taking the road to the Red Sea. Go around the land of Eden. But the people grew impatient with the long journey, and they began to speak against God and Moses. Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die here in the wilderness, they complained. There is nothing to eat here and nothing to drink, and we hate this horrible manna. Other versions say, we detest this light bread. In verse 6 it says, So the Lord sent poisonous snakes among the people, and many were bitten and died. And then uh, some versions say fiery serpents. And as they look at that, they're not sure if they're fiery because their bite hurts and causes inflammation or they're literally fiery in their appearance. And here's what it says, verse 7, Then the people came to Moses and cried out, We have sinned by speaking against the Lord and you. Pray that the Lord will take away the snakes. So Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord told him, Make a replica of a poisonous snake and attach it to a pole. And all who are bitten will live if they simply look at it. So Moses made the snake out of bronze and attached it to a pole. And then anyone who was bitten by a snake could look at the bronze snake and be healed. The people of God are traveling towards the kingdom of God. They're traveling towards the promised land. They're traveling towards what God, where God wants to take them, where he's going to provide them with provision, where he has prepared them for these 39 years to go. And right at the end, they have to go the opposite direction. A few years ago, my family and I were traveling to Virginia to visit our in-laws. And it was late at night. It was a road that we don't normally travel. 
uh, it wasn't a highway, so to speak. It was a, a four-lane road, but it went through the mountains in West Virginia. And it was up and down and around. And that's not normally that big of a deal in the daytime. It's beautiful, it's gorgeous. But at night, it can be dangerous. And especially when it's raining and just about getting to freezing. And I remember as we were traveling on this road that was somewhat unfamiliar to me, we made a wrong turn. We ended up going around where we should have gone. And it put us off and it put us in a more dangerous and precarious uh, position. And I remember at that point having a hard time with that. I lost my stuff. I mean, we were pretty safe in the car. We sort of knew where we were going. We could slow down and get there. But something about not being on the trajectory, on the place that I expected to be, shifted the insides of me. And I became agitated. And I became afraid. And I let all these things grow and build in my heart till I was acting like a real jerk in the car. And I'm so glad for my gracious wife who addressed that in my life so that I could reconnect with what God wanted to do. Now that's just a minor example of what happens when our plans are changed. We don't like when our plans are changed. We don't like when we have to turn the wrong way. Here's the entire nation of Israel having to go south, having to go the other way and not walk into what they expected God's promise was. And so as we see in this scripture, there was an outbreak. There was an outbreak of snakes, but that was not the first outbreak in this scripture. The first outbreak in this scripture was an outbreak of attitude. And we need to look at that this morning because attitude is everything. Let's look at the outbreak of attitude among the people. Because scripture says that the people, the people as a whole, grew. Their attitude grew. As a movement, it grew. The people began to speak. It grew from a place in their hearts. It grew from some murmuring among a few to the entire nation, uh, the entire group of people being described this way as having this attitude that's moving. And I want to look at the progression of the attitude that rose up within them because I think it's familiar to many of us as we're walking with the Lord, especially in this time where we're restricted from our normal duties, where maybe we're not considered essential workers and we don't know what's next. Maybe we were about to go on vacation or we were about to visit with family. Maybe we had plans for this summer or plans for this year maybe we had expectations or even a word from the lord that he was about to bring us into deliverance maybe our finances were just in the right spot maybe we had uh had some family breakthrough maybe we had expected to see the kingdom invade our lives like never before and all of a sudden this time invades our lives and there's a uh, temptation in the midst of that to for our attitudes to follow the attitudes of the israelites so i want to look at how their attitude grew the first thing we see is an outbreak of discouragement I don't know about you, but when you're on a long journey, maybe you're on a long run or a long hike, or maybe you're in the midst of working through something, you're on not maybe a walk journey or a physical journey, but on a spiritual journey or on a journey of your soul, or maybe on a journey in terms of your career. We're always on journeys. And when those journeys become long, we can get impatient and it brings discouragement to our lives. And oftentimes we excuse it away because it's just on the inside. Well, I'm just feeling discouraged. Or I have a right to be discouraged. Or I thought that this was going to go a certain way and it didn't go the way. And we embrace that discouragement. We embrace that impatience. But the problem is that's not where it ends in our hearts usually. Because it, goes, it grows from discouragement to dissent. The people of God start to speak against the Lord. Now, often that doesn't come with us just you know, one minute doing great and being a little discouraged and the next minute cursing God. But what it comes, uh, where it, it rises up in our hearts and comes up, becomes that speaking against the Lord where we say, God, I don't know if you know what you're doing. I don't believe you understand the plan that you ought to have for my life. We start to take back the journey that God has brought us on. We take back control of where he wants to take us. And it becomes a descent. 
a disagreement, a, uh, a, a, if you will, a confrontation with the Lord. I think I know better. And we don't only speak against the Lord, but it comes into disloyalty. We start to speak against the Lord's leaders in our lives. This people of God spoke against Moses. This is the one who God had confirmed as the leader of the people. They, in fact, a couple chapters before, there was a big rebellion, and God confirmed Moses' leadership. We would think that we have that down, but oftentimes, in the midst of being discouraged, in the midst of not trusting God, we stop trusting the people that he's given us in our lives to lead us. And we don't only speak against the Lord, it manifests in our speaking against his leaders in our lives. And that results in disloyalty, which leads to disillusionment. The people said, why have you brought us out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? They're disillusioned. They don't know where they are. I thought I was going this way. I thought I had a clear understanding. God, I thought I knew how you were going to bring me through. God, your word says, I thought I had a word from you about how this was going to go. What in the world is going on? And we become disillusioned. We don't see the promises of God the way we saw them before. And we miss out on them, which leads to disappointment. We had other expectations. Why are we in the desert? Why are we in the wilderness? God, you said there was a land flowing with milk and honey. We saw it. We scouted it out. We've, 30 years, 39 years ago, we repented. Our generation repented from this and still we're stuck in this place of wilderness. We're disappointed. And in that place of disappointment, it grows in our hearts. The attitude grows in us where we become, we disregard God. We disregard specifically the provision of God. If you look, the people of God said, we don't have any water, we don't have any food. That was absolutely not true. God had provided water. God had provided water miraculously. God had provided food. God had provided food miraculously. This constant warring in our souls with our flesh for the things that we need leads us to a place where we disregard what is actually being provided for us right now. We can't even see God's provision in our lives as this attitude grows. And then it comes to the last thing that they say which is detesting, where the word says that they hate God's provision. They said, we hate this manna. We hate this light bread. This is not sustaining for us. We, see, we, we can't even see what's in front of us, but what we do see, we hate. And when we start to hate the gifts of God, when we start to hate the provision of God, it, it produces hate in our heart towards the Lord. Because God identifies himself as our provider. And when we question his provision, and not only question it, but come to the place of absolute hate, like that's a powerful word. We despise, we detest, we disdain, we hate. Our hearts have been turned from the Lord. And that's what happened to the people of Israel. They find themselves detesting God, their provider, through his provision. And the outbreak of attitude and action has consequences for the people of Israel. It's an outbreak of snakes. Now, some people who would read verse 6 where it says the Lord sent poisonous snakes among the people and many were bitten and died would say that God has sent snakes to bring punishment to them. God created snakes and they just came through. Now, here's what I think happened. I think they removed themselves from the grace of God. Here's the truth. The enemy is set on destruction because sin still reigns in our world. Its power is broken, but there's still places where the enemy has control. Certainly in the Old Testament, before Jesus came, there were places where the enemy had reign. And one of the uh, problems of, of the fall of man was that creation was not only not cooperating with man, but creation started to work against man. And so you had this outbreak of 
uh, animals that would literally bring destruction to people. In fact, God prophesied it. He said uh, to the serpent and to Adam and Eve, he said, the serpent will strike your heel, but, and we're going to see this, that you will crush his head. And so we see that this is where that, that, that curse that came on the earth of sin reigning brought destruction. I, you can study today and scholars believe that there, there were and there still are snakes that are very poisonous in this region. And I believe that the grace of God was removed from the people of God. See, God is set on grace for us. We need to understand that. His, his attitude towards us is one of grace. His attitude towards us is one of deliverance. His attitude towards us is one of his love and, and the kingdom working to bring about. In fact, he says there will come a time, and we read it last week, that uh, the people of God will handle snakes and they won't, they won't harm us. That's the way God sets it up. But when we choose to remove ourselves from God's grace, when we remove ourselves from his plan, when we reject his provision in our lives, we put ourselves in a dangerous place. We put ourselves in the enemy's camp and the enemy is set on destruction. In the process of redeeming all things, God is in that process right now, but currently all things are not redeemed. Many died, but note, not all died. They could have remained unmoved. The people of God could have said, well, we did this to ourselves. They could have gone into despair. They could have said, see, God, we told you there was no provision and now we are out here to die. We prophesied it and look what happened. But that's not what happened to them. See, in any outbreak of destruction, and this is the key for us this morning, any outbreak of the kingdom of darkness, any outbreak of death, of disease, in the natural, in the supernatural, God is always working for an outbreak of his kingdom. Romans 14, chapter 14, 17 and 18, Paul is talking to the people about food sacrificed to idols. And in that, he says, listen, the kingdom is not about what we eat. It's interesting, I think, to me, that he's talking about food sacrificed to idols and we're looking at a scripture from the Old Testament where people are worried about what they eat because oftentimes these spiritual battles manifest in the physical and it starts with a, a body craving, something that we need, but that we start to say, God, I need it my way. Paul says this, he says, the kingdom of God is not a matter of what you eat and drink. And then he says, but here's what the kingdom of God is. The kingdom of God is a a life of godliness or righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Verse 18, if you serve Christ with this attitude, you will please God and others will approve of you too. God says this, God is looking to work an attitude into our hearts, into our lives of the kingdom. He's looking for an outbreak of kingdom attitude in us. And it's one of righteousness and goodness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. We as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, who have the Holy Spirit ruling and reigning in our lives, the Spirit in us and among us, and as those who believe in the working of the Spirit among us, the Spirit working among us in His gifts, we know that the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit if we will choose to walk in that if we serve Christ with this attitude we have a choice to let that attitude break out in our lives now we see an outbreak of attitude we see an outbreak of snakes but we also see an outbreak of God and his kingdom and this is where it gets really good in the scripture it says this then the people came to Moses and they cried out, we've sinned by speaking against the Lord and you. Pray that the Lord would take away the snakes. So Moses prayed for the people. And then the Lord told him, and here's where we see, make a replica of a poisonous snake, attach it to a pole. All who are bitten will live by simply looking at it. So Moses made a snake out of bronze and attached it to a pole. And when anyone was bitten by a snake, looked at the bronze snake and be healed. Could look at the snake and be healed. See, here's what the outbreak of God looks like. The outbreak of God looks like healing. 
The outbreak of God looks like salvation. The outbreak of God looks like people returning to the Lord as they're obedient to Him. Let's look at really briefly the steps to the outbreak of God because I believe this is how we access. Here's, what, here's where it starts. It starts with repentance. When the people of God publicly and corporately come before the Lord and they say, God, we have sinned, not even just with our actions, but in our attitudes towards you, in our grumbling, in our complaining, when we stop making excuses for the internal uh, things that we think are okay and we say, God, we're at your mercy. We haven't just made mistakes. We haven't just had bad attitudes. But God, we have sinned before you. We have sinned against you. God, we have sinned against your leadership in our life. And we've sinned against the leaders that you have given us. When we do that privately, and especially when we do that publicly, the kingdom of God outbreak is coming. When we... uh, start with repentance it usually leads towards intercession the people ask moses to plead on their behalf before the lord when the people of god in relationship with god repent to the lord we have a place where we can come before him jesus has made a way through his death and his resurrection for us to come before the lord our god and to intercede on behalf of those around us especially those who are far away from the Lord. I believe that now is a time that God is raising up intercessors. I've been hearing reports that more people are praying than ever before. They're gathering regularly and digitally at night and in the morning. We've seen uh, an increase in the amount of people that are interceding on behalf of people who are watching this message, who are watching this service, who are worshiping, that the kingdom of God would break out. When God is about to move, an outbreak is coming, he starts with intercessors. What does that mean? What's that? It's just a fancy word for somebody who stands in the place before God for those who can't stand for themselves or who are standing but need some encouragement as well. God has called us as the people of God to become intercessors. The outbreak of the Lord is coming as we come and cry out to God for freedom, as we cry out to God for salvation, as we cry out to God for deliverance and healing. God will use his people as intercessors. The third step in the outbreak of the Lord that we see here is this. It's in response to the word of the Lord. If we are going to see an outbreak of God, we've got to be the people of God who listen to God. We see here that God said to Moses, God was willing to listen, I'm sorry, Moses was willing to listen to God above all other things. The voice of God cuts through for Moses. The voice of God cuts through all other voices so that Moses hears what God says. When we hear what God says, it's a powerful, powerful moment for our lives. We are the people of God who have the, the, the blessing of the voice of God at this time. Will we listen to the word of the Lord? What's the word of the Lord in this time? The word of the Lord, when there's destruction, is I'm bringing relief. The word of the Lord is when there is sickness, I'm bringing healing. The word of the Lord says, where there's rebellion, I bring correction. The word of the Lord is where the enemy comes in and brings all of his negativity and all of his lies. He will raise up the truth. The word of the Lord is this, he is coming with salvation to his people. Will we believe the word of the Lord? The fourth thing is this, the the, the outbreak of the Lord often will not make sense to us. Let me explain it this way. Some people, when they read in verse 8 that the Lord said to Moses to make a replica of a snake, to make a a bronze image of the snake, they're saying, wait a minute, hold on, stop. Didn't we read in the Ten Commandments, the Second Commandment, don't make any images, graven images? Don't make idols to worship? 
They would even look at this and say, because it happens later on in Scripture, the people of God still have this serpent and they're worshiping it as an idol. They're saying, what in the world is God telling Moses to do? Why would he tell him to violate a commandment like this? Listen, if Moses or the people would have wavered, death would have continued. But they were willing to hear the voice of the, of the Lord and to see the manifestation of the outbreak of God in a way that they might not have expected. Moses could have responded with pride. He could have said, God, I've been leading these people for 39 years. You told us not to have any graven images. I've made sure that everybody not- notices it. God, you've even led us through a time where we did that. God, what are you asking me to do? He could have thought he was crazy, but no, he was humbled because this is the Moses of, ver- of chapter 20 of Leviticus. God had just led him through hearing the voice of the Lord and being obedient to it. And he had failed to listen to what God had asked him to do. He had put his own spin on it, his own pride in it. And it took the humility of Moses to defy the religious mindsets and respond in faith. See, if if Moses had had a religious mindset, the people would have continued to suffer. If the people had had a religious mindset, if they had been controlled by what their interpretation of what God's word had been in the past and weren't willing to hear what God was saying now, they would have continued in, their de- in the death and the painful outbreak of snakes. The word of the Lord moving in strange ways requires that leaders and people respond in faith to actually put into practice the word of the Lord that may seem outlandish, that may even be contrary to the f- religious frameworks that we have. God is speaking. God doesn't change. There's a reason why He does this. And I'm going to address it in just a minute. But to actually put into practice, Moses made and lifted it up. And the fifth thing is this. The outbreak of the move of God, of the salvation of God, brings life to all those who would see by faith. See, Jesus referenced this in John chapter 3. When Jesus was having a, a conversation with Nicodemus, somebody who had studied and who was a leader, who would have known this account, he said this, and this is, this is, these are scriptures right before probably the most famous scripture in all of the Bible. John chapter 3, verses 14, verse 14, we'll start there. Jesus said this, And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on the pole in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. He was referencing this very account. He was referencing the faith that it took for people to believe that he, God Himself was their salvation. Verse 15, so that everyone who believes in Him will have eternal life. The people of God in numbers had life as they looked to the Lord, as they believed the Word of the Lord, as they put it into practice. The people of God today have life and eternal life as we believe in the One who was lifted up, Jesus Christ. Verse 16, and many of you are familiar with it, for this is how God loved the world. He gave His one and only Son so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. Isn't it so interesting that God told the, Adam and Eve at the beginning, he'll bite your heel, but you'll crush his head. How did Jesus crush his head, the head of the enemy? He did it by sacrificing his perfect life on the cross. And he likened it to this moment in Numbers where we read that the, the serpent was lifted up. What an incredible, uh, redemptive uh, move in terms of this symbol of the snake. Verse 17, because this is what God has set on. God sent His Son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through Him. Listen, I believe that God is breaking out with salvation right now. I believe that this is a time of an outbreak of destruction that we're seeing all around our world. And in these moments of the outbreak of destruction, of 
what some would call judgment, of what some would call just the natural outworking of a fallen world. That this is a time where God is breaking salvation out. This is a time of the outbreak of the salvation of God. And the outbreak of the salvation of God is always much better and stronger and more powerful than the outbreak of destruction from the enemy. So here's the question. Whose attitude will you choose this morning? As you're watching this right now, I encourage you to answer this question for yourself. What attitude will you choose? Listen, attitude doesn't have so much to do as where we are as to who we're with. The people of God were not where they wanted to be. They were traveling in the wrong direction. But if they understood who they were with, they could have maintained the attitude that God is a God who saves. God is a God who delivers. So will you look to everything around you? Will you see your plans thwarted? Will you become discouraged? Will you run your mouth with a bad report? Will you become disillusioned or disappointed? Will you disregard the provision of God? Will you start to detest and despise God who's your provider in this time? Or will you, like Jesus invited Nicodemus to, look to Jesus? Will you look to the Lord, your salvation at this time? Will you repent for the sin of your heart that looks to other things instead of the Lord for provision? Will you repent for your attitude and your grumbling? Will you repent for being disappointed and disregarding God's provision? Will you repent for detesting His provision in your life? Will you intercede? Will you become those who will intercede on behalf of your family and your friends and the world around us? Will you become the one who doesn't just pray that God will take this pandemic away, but will you become the people who intercede on behalf of those around you for salvation of their very souls? I believe that this is a time when the people of God who repent and begin to intercede will hear the word of the Lord, and as we respond to it, as we see the the manifestation, it will be an unusual manifestation of the outbreak of salvation in this time. Will you seek the word of the Lord, and will you put it into practice? When he speaks to you, will you take the message of salvation? Will you lift Jesus high so that others would see and know that Jesus is the answer, that he is the way, that he is the provision, that our God is good, and that he's leading us into his kingdom. See, Jesus is coming back for a bride that's without spot or wrinkle. Jesus is coming back for his kingdom to advance, and he's coming back, and right now, in his goodness, he's refining his people. Will you cooperate with it this morning? Can I pray for you? First of all, I want to pray for those who are watching. Maybe you've never made a decision to follow Jesus. Today's the day. Today's the day you can go from not being the people of God to being the people of God. From being on outside of the camp to being the people that God is refining and leading into the promised land. But let me also pray for you who are watching, whose hearts have been challenged by this. May we look to the Lord in the midst of this for an outbreak of salvation. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for every person that's watching. God, I thank you right now for those whose hearts are being warmed in the very, maybe for the very first time. Maybe they've been running from you and they're, they're, they're looking back towards you. They know by your spirit that you're speaking to them. God, I pray that today they would make a decision to follow you. They'd make a decision to put their faith in you. They'd make a decision to put their eyes upon you. That like, like you said, Jesus, they would believe in you and receive eternal life because God, we believe you have come that the world would be saved through you. And God, I pray for every believer, every person who's made that decision, God, that you would use this moment in time to refine our hearts. God, we repent before you for wanting our own way. We repent before you for grumbling 
about you and about your leaders and about the path that you're taking us on. Father, we repent for, for causing our mouths to run in such a way that, that it disparages your goodness by giving a false report rather than the report that you've given us. God, we, we repent for being disillusioned and disappointed and disregarding your provision and even hating your provision in our lives. God, we repent before that and we come before you now and we ask you to give us a spirit of intercession. God, Jesus, you are sitting at the right hand of the Father right now, interceding on our behalf. We want to come alongside you and be used by you. Teach us to pray by your spirit. Help us to hear your word and to put into practice. God, we pray that there would be an outbreak of the unusual salvation of Jesus in this time. God, we pray that everyone who looks to you would be saved. Lord, thank you for an opportunity to worship before you, to hear your word, and be transformed in our hearts and our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you've joined us this morning, we're super excited that you did. We're going to have some announcements that are coming up by slides in just a minute. Opportunities to give, opportunities to get connected, opportunities to be a part. We want to let you know that the uh, Facebook live feed is going to be rolling for a few minutes. There's people that are watching it. If you need prayer, just comment prayer, please, and somebody will get a hold of you, and we will pray for you. Uh, individually and in person, digitally, I mean. Uh, But we also want to let you know that this church is going to continue to do what God has called us to do and connect with you. If you've been with us, we're excited to get together again. We're looking forward to the day that we can do this. If you're new to us and you don't have a home church, please uh, continue to join us here Sunday mornings at 10 a.m., but also consider coming and joining with us. We'll let you know when we're able to be together again and worship the Lord in person. And if you have a home church and you've been blessed by this, we encourage you, invest in your home church. Go back to your home church when this is uh, over. We are blessed to be with you. May this week be a week that God advances his kingdom like never before. As you come to him, hear his voice and put it into practice. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you.